Welcome to Reality Tea Times 2, the podcast where we discuss all the trash reality TV we love to hate. I am Tanika, and today we're going to be discussing Married at First Sight. But before we do, I do have at least one piece of podcast. So, Lauren, of Lauren and Alexi, apparently has been having a decline in her popularity on Instagram thanks to her influencer career. So Lauren recently posted a series of photos bearing several Valentine's Day-inspired outfits from an online marketplace. Lauren wore a white sweater with big red hearts, a printed gray t-shirt, and a pink pajama set with little white hearts as she posted in front of her bedroom mirror and she captioned this love is in the air, she wrote, while promoting the big deals that the platform's offering at affordable prices with free shipping and free returns. Lauren also gave them a link for up to 90% off. So one fan asked Lauren why she was supporting the brand. And this person said, I have someone who works in China who educated me on how they use child labor, exploitation of children. After hearing the terrible stories, I would never buy from them. The fan asked Lauren to not promote a company that takes advantage of children. Someone else also wrote, so confused about why you do this when you seem to be a politi- to seem to be politically savvy. A different fan also said, I love your content, but I wish wished you would shop small businesses in the US. Another comment also read, You'll do anything to avoid a real job. Now that's fucked up. Don't do that. If you, and especially too, because she is a mom of three, she did have a real job. She worked as an assistant, I think, even throughout still filming. But she has three kids who are all under the age of like what three or four. So I don't blame her for trying to profit off of her fame off the show um, while she is home raising her kids. So. Lauren is one of the most powerful influencers among the 90 Day Fantasy cast members. She has over 1.4 million followers. Lauren tries to connect with her followers by using her stay-at-home mommy content, featuring her three kids and husband, Alexi. She has a relatable feed, and her content about motherhood and family performs well. Lauren's vulnerability also wins over her followers, She's been an ambassador of the Tourette Association of America, for those who remember, she has Tourette's, um, and spreads awareness about the disorder. Lauren has opened up about her living with postpartum depression. However, with such a large fan base, it's not easy for her to please everyone who follows her. Lauren was recently slammed for calling herself a stay-at-home mom, which is unbelievable, when she is someone who puts her kids in daycare. So... She lashed out at her critics, telling them that they bring more engagement to her page even when they leave negative comments. Lauren, however, has not learned how to ignore negative comments. She should. She still gets bothered whenever a 90-day fiancé viewer calls her out. However, Lauren is also hustling hard and making the most of her reality TV fame. Yeah, that's basically it. Okay, so one more piece of hot goss. According to Deadline, we kind of actually talked about this before, this is pertaining to the Golden Bachelorette. Um, so Deadline has made an announcement about the Golden Bachelorette, 
may be imminent. At the Real Screen event in New Orleans, Rob Mills, who is the EVP Unscripted and Alternative Entertainment at Walt Disney Television, weird, revealed, quote, I think something will be coming soon. However, he added that he wants to be really careful to make sure that the Golden Bachelorette can be as impactful as the Golden Bachelor, which I totally understand. The Bachelor Nation website currently has a link to an application for contestants who hope to be on the show, which is um, which is another good sign that something is a brewing. Even if one of the Golden Bachelor contestants isn't selected to be the first ever star of the Golden Bachelorette, which I I hope that's the I think to me to make sure that this is a, a successful successful spinoff of the Golden Bachelor, they should have somebody from the Golden Bachelor on the Golden Bachelorette. Anyways, ABC should consider creating a new show starring some of the women. Susan and Kathy in particular are a hoot on social media, and they could definitely have a successful reality television show. All of the Golden Bachelor women have made a huge impact and they deserve to have a platform where they can continue to entertain and inspire people. I 100% agree on this. That's how it should be. We love these women. They deserve all the recognition. All of it. Anyways, that is it on the hot cause. Now let's jump into the reason that we are here on the first sight season 17 episode 15 honey spooning so we have chloe and michael so chloe had panic attacks during the night she had four of them and michael gives us a preview of them so basically she was like sleeping and then she would just jump up um kind of like a jump scare i guess in her sleep um she says that she has dealt with panic attacks in more stressful situations and they seem to happen during the night and not during the day which is interesting i didn't know my mom she deals with panic attacks herself and she says no they can happen you could definitely have them at night i think the odd part is that they don't happen during the day too but everyone's situation is definitely different so she just needed her sleep machine and her essential oils to kind of just set the atmosphere for her to sleep um a little better anyway she says that she is not nervous whether or not the other shoe will drop with michael he says he's too loved so there's just no way um anyway she encourages him to just touch her just touch her she'll be fine and be fine so now they're heading to their honeymoon and she tells him don't forget the mr hat i'm like he's not gonna put the hat on he has to do that put the hat on later but um he has a lot of bags he just you know he has his scarves and his coats and his blazers and his sweaters and his shoes. He has like everything. He's fully prepared for anything. So they're going to be honeymooning and 
Colorado Springs. Now, no hate against Colorado Springs, which are gorgeous. But when everyone else got to go to Mexico or the hell they went, and they get to go to Colorado Springs, anyways. So he is fast asleep while they're on the way there. And it's day two now, the next day, day two of March. We are headed to Canyon City, Colorado. They get to this place and they are harnessing, harnessing, sorry, they're going to be, they're going to be tackling Chloe's fears of heights by climbing, rock climbing, actual rock climbing outside on actual rocks. Like when this girl said rock climbing, I thought maybe they would do it against the wall. But anyways, <laughs> they're going actual rock climbing. And so they do make it to the top once they've, you know, done all the stuff. She was dressed definitely on the way there. You could tell she was kind of like trying to psych herself in, you know, being okay. And yeah, but Michael was there every step of the way, being good to her, being supportive. It was great. So they start talking about fears because it's her fears, heights, what's his fear. So he has a healthy respect for the ocean. Yes. And he asks, like, what kind of support, like, does she need from him? And she says that she is not the type to really ask for help. Girl, same. Girl, same. She appreciates that he kind of helps her with prioritizing herself and kind of asking for the help. Um, sometimes he can get out of whack. So she, he kind of just needs her to bring him back in a little bit. So we also learn here that Chloe is from Santa Fe and she was living there for the first nine years of her life. And then they ended up moving to Albuquerque, New Mexico. Um, Michael, dad, we find out is Greek, Lawrence Filipino. And his dad died when he was 14 years old. I don't know if he knew that. This poor guy. Um, so his mom, he tells her here, doesn't know that he got married again. His sister, however, she doesn't. He said that his mom did know, like, about Runaway Bride, but he just didn't say anything about this yet. He says that she doesn't really understand the process, which is understandable. Um, but um, he thinks that he is not really... Actually, I wrote this, I think... He's not really planning to tell his mom yet, but he wants to stress to her like, because I'm not telling her yet. It doesn't mean I'm trying to hide you. It's just that he's trying to find, I guess, the right time to tell his mom about everything. But so next, they're going to be going and doing couples massage. This is kind of, mm. <laughs> He um, tells her he makes sounds when he's getting massaged because he's feeling so good. And she said that he's not, she's never dated a guy with tattoos before. Never. Ever. Man, let me tell you, tattoos on a man. Whew. Anyways, um, he tells her he likes her lips. That's, mm. Now they're going to massage each other. He's going to do her first. And 
Let me tell you. Let me tell you. They're light years ahead, some of these people who have been married for close to the two months. <laughs> Jeez. Um, she tells him that he has magical hands. <laughs> so next thing, we see Chloe is setting up dinner. She's probably going to pick at his food. And she tells him, like, I realize, like, reality is going to be hitting tomorrow. We're going to be moving into our new place. And they are married. And she says, like, I just don't know if I can do this. And you're thinking, no, 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 no. He says, you are human. He's learning, but he is starting to pick up things about her. He kind of says, you know, he's maybe trying to know, like, when to approach her or to just let her work things out on his on her own. She says, you shouldn't have to do that, though. You shouldn't have to read my mind. It's not for you to do. And he wants her to get to a place where she can lean on him. But that takes time. Doesn't this happen? He probably, he says he'll probably never get to a place where he can tell her kind of what to do um, or how to do things or whatever. But at the end of the day, she knows what she needs. This is what he's telling her. And he says, be selfish. And she believes him. She believes everything he's saying. She's just never heard someone say this to her before. And she gets very emotional in her in the moment, telling this and letting this sink in. And she's going to be working on putting herself first. And he's going to help her do it. Let me tell you, I love them. I think they can go the distance because he is such a sweet man and he's so patient with her and he cares about her. Not like Brennan. <laughs> but I, I, we're still very new with them. Um, but I wish them all the best. I hope they work. I really do. But let's move on to Becca and Austin. So not a whole lot with them this week. Um, but we first see them in Pennsylvania and Washington's house. And Becca and me is freaking out, fangirling, because Hamilton was in this house. <laughs> and I'm like, so wait, you can go into that house? I didn't even know it was a museum. It's a beautiful house. I see you, Washington. Anyways, moving on, they are back in um, in Colorado. The next thing we see them in. Dr. Pia will be coming by the next day. And who knows? Becca might just drop some bombs. We'll see. Austin says that they're doing the exercises, which is good, with helping with the intimacy. But he still seems a little hesitant. 
then he makes these, like, I don't want to say excuses, but they felt like excuses where he's like, you know, we're at my parents or at my family's homes, which fair, fine. I totally get it. But then he's like, and I'm allergic to cats and like I couldn't breathe. My nasal passages were blocked and all this. I'm just like, you don't have to have sex or something, but you could do something. Like I feel like he does nothing or without being prompted. I don't know. Anyway, she just feels rejected at this point. She feels like they are running out of ideas to kind of help with the intimacy. He acts like intimacy is a chore. That's what I, what I wrote. I feel like he thinks that's a chore. And it's not a chore. It's something you should want to do with the person that you want to get freaky deaky with. I don't, I don't know. Um, but anyways, the next day, Dr. P is here and she's meeting the fish for the first time. <laughs> so she asks, how is the intimacy going? And again, they've done the exercises as mentioned. He's initiating more and Becca attests to that. Austin tells her about the situation though, of being in Pennsylvania, the parents or the family, well, of his parents are there, but the family the cats <laughs> and just kind of how maybe set them back a little bit. And Pia suggests, well, maybe Becca used to be like vulnerable in these moments. Maybe that will help with the intimacy too. Um, because Becca does not feel validated. She mentions this to Dr. Pia. And at the end of the day, and I wrote this too, she just wants to fuck her husband. It's not so much to ask. Like, seriously, I, I can't put myself here because it's like, I don't feel rejected by my partner. I don't, like, he, I know he wants to, you know, but it's just like, it's, it sucks when you really do like somebody and you want them to be all up in there and they're not, or they're not like, trying to do something where it can lead to them being all up in there. And it's, it sucks. I feel for her because I just, I want them to work and I think they can, but I'm going to say this. If the intimacy part does not improve by the time D-Day shows up, I don't know if she'll say yes. I really don't. But I guess, I guess we'll see. But with that, I'm not taking a break early here, but I am going to take a break because Emily and Brennan are very heavy this episode, as they usually are. So I'm going to take a break here. And when we come back, we will finish up with Emily and Brennan. Have you ever wanted to guest on a podcast like this one that you're listening to right now? Well, you can. You can definitely do this by visiting a website called Podmatch, where you can sign up and be available for all different types of podcasts that you can guest on. Or you can even search for a podcast and say, I want to I want to guest on your podcast. I think we'd be a good match. So if you want to do this, 
you can go to our unique link, which is joinpodmatch.com forward slash reality. And you can sign up and do exactly that. And you can find us and you can guest on our podcast. So again, that unique link is www.joinpodmatch.com. That's J-O-I-N-P-O-D-M-A-T-C-H dot com forward slash reality, R-E-A-L-I-T-E-A, and you can be a guest on our podcast. Have you ever thought of starting your very own podcast. Doing the research, I found something that would have made editing easy and seamless and makes the podcasting experience just that much easier. And I am talking about Ludo. This is a podcast software that I use for our editing of our episodes. It is amazing. It is easy. You're also able to get help from doing chats and getting the information that maybe you just need a little more help with. They also have access to different articles that can also help you that have been just godsends for me. Also with the Ludo, you can create clips, you can do your ads, just like this very one I'm doing right now, and you can create your trailer very seamlessly just by clicks of buttons. You can also use Aludu to publish your episodes just straight from the software. It's so easy. I highly, highly recommend it. You can get access to Aludu by using our unique link, which you can find on our show notes, just down there at the bottom at the show notes, and you can get access to your going to jump easy in software. Emily and Brennan. The only thing we have left, but it's very dense and what happens. So we're going to do this like talking stick slash it's actually a cutting board um thing to help with their communication. So basically whoever's holding the stick slash cutting board is going to be the one talking while the other one listens. So Emily says trust for her is everything. Consistency is also very important to her. Listening, showing you care, those are all things that are important for her in any kind of relationship. He says he cares about her. Yeah. And losing her would suck. What? Like he doesn't come across as if he gives a shit. That's the thing. So it's so confusing of him. Anyways, she's afraid that she might be, you know, semi-losing herself along the way 
trying to be patient with him, trying to work this stuff out with him. Like she's losing herself. And guess what? Spoiler alert. She is. Because I feel like in any other situation, she wouldn't be putting up with us. And I understand it's a marriage and everything, but at the same time, he's not acting like a husband. He fully doesn't want to call himself her husband. He just wants to be her friend. So he just doesn't want to blur the lines between friendship and a relationship. The fuck you say? Isn't it the whole idea of doing this reset that eventually you would blur the lines? In the words of Robin Thick, y'all, I like them blurred lines. Like, come on. It just doesn't make any sense. And again, that right there just kind of shows like, he doesn't want to be in a relationship with her. He just wants to be her friend. You know what? Similarly to with like Cameron and Claire, if that is what you want to do, you want to be her friend, then fine. But you should just tell her that and maybe that could salvage some form of a friendship at the end of this. Because then if you string her along this entire time with no, with nothing changing, then you are going to lose her. I, you would lose me. I'd be so wrong. It's just, I don't get it. Anyway, she doesn't feel like he treats her as a friend. No, he definitely doesn't. He then interrupts her and says, are you sure you want to do this? Do what? Speak her mind? Like, again, here's my thing. If he was so concerned about his image, then maybe coming on TV, on a show, in its 17th season, is not a good idea. Like, I just... Hmm. Lord. She just wants him to acknowledge that she is his friend. That's all she's kind of asking for. For example, she felt like there was no effort from him during the wedding to have fun with her. After he kind of said he wants to have fun with her. And then having people come up to them, to her, and say, you don't look like friends. AKA, that was clear. <laughs> you know that was clear. 100%. His response, well, it's up to us on whether or not we want to listen to those things, those comments, those negative comments or not. And again, it's just like, okay, but everyone is entitled to their opinion. And clearly, under the circumstances, she's going to take people's opinions into mind and be like, okay, what am I missing? Because I'm in it. We're all guilty of it. We're all in it. And we can't see what others are seeing. And luckily, she's clearly in a place with him where she can see what other people are going to say and take that seriously. You know? Like, it's just, I don't get it. Again, I'm going to keep saying I don't get it. So he says, we should just focus on us. You don't even focus on you and her. Like, and you want her to. She says, it just sucks more when it comes to people 
who actually are close to them saying these things. It's not like there's some random people, and clearly it's not random people. Because who would make a comment like that? Anyone else there? No one knows them enough to make a comment like this. You know? Obviously, it's not going to be Michael. Michael was the groom. It's not going to be Chloe. She doesn't know these people. It's not going to be any of their people because they don't know these people. The people who are going to say something like this is Orion, um, Lauren, or Laura, (laughs) or Claire. Those are the only people. And Orion's not going to say anything. Laura, Lauren, whatever her name is at this point, she may or may not say something. But Claire seems to be the closest person to Emily, and she is definitely going to say something. So, so with Claire in mind, let's go to that next scene. So Claire is here, and she tells us that Cameron has been sleeping quite a bit. Clearly, he's healing, um, but she does worry about the fact that like, she's not hearing from him. But I'm like, Claire, honey, he's healing. And I think the last thing he really wants to deal with right now is talking to anybody. Like, I can tell you, like, I've never been, never had a surgery, knock on wood, but when I was first coming out of the hospital, the first couple, the last couple times with my kidney stone attacks, the last people I wanted to talk to was random people. I'm not saying Claire's random, but you don't want to talk to every single person. Really and truly the only people I talked to, especially the first time because I was in the hospital by myself, um, with COVID protocol still in place here in Ontario in the hospitals, um, was my mom. And I think my grandmother called me once or twice. My boyfriend and my closest friend, Leticia, actually. Um, for those who listen to Family Chantel and Sister Wives. Those are the people I mainly spoke to. People I'm comfortable with. It's not to say that he's not comfortable with Claire. It's they don't know each other enough yet. There's, you know, they're still in the new stages and also figuring out where they go from here. So he's not gonna he's not gonna talk to her all the time. He's gonna focus on his healing and talk to those for whom he is comfortable with. It's not a it's not, it's not a dig at her anything. It's just give him time. That is all. Anyways. Um, she feels guilty um having fun because talking about the wedding. But Emily tells her, like, listen, you're entitled to how you feel, but he would want you to have fun. Don't feel guilty for having it. Um you know. Yeah, the thing with the thing with Claire and the situation with Cameron is confusing because they've decided to separate. But I think Claire really does. Oh, it's hard to tell because she says like she loves the fact that she has him in her life as a friend and everything like that. But at the same time, it feels like the way she acts with Cameron with everything he's going through right now it's how I act with my boyfriend 
in a romantic relationship and it's just I wonder if she still has feelings for him and she maybe wanted to keep this going I know she did she didn't want to keep this going it was him who was kind of like okay maybe there's something here it's just I don't know <laughs> there are blurred lines when it comes to Claire, when it comes to Cameron. So, anyways. So, um, so then Emily kind of starts talking about what's been going on between her and Brennan, kind of saying, like, he's treating me like a friend and all of this. And Claire says, Well, he also nitpicks at what you have to say, which, yes, he does. We literally just saw it. And he's trying to silence you. Again, we literally saw that. He does try to silence her. And that's a form of... I hate to use the word abuse, but it feels that way a little bit. Or corrosive control, maybe. I don't know. Maybe I'm going extreme. But he's definitely trying to control her. And that's just... There's a fine line in my mind between a man who tries to control a woman or any person who tries to control another person and abuse. In particular, more I'm thinking emotional, mental, verbal, not so much the physical. Um, so he would allow her to be herself um, prior until he thought it would affect his image. Which is very true because I feel like things were really well between them throughout the wedding, honeymoon, all of that, and then all of a sudden things have changed. And you try to fish for what those changes are because nothing seems to make sense unless something happened off camera that we are not privy to. The only things that I can think of, because based on when things changed for him, was the conversation about, you know, her lack of love life, I guess, prior to this, her choices and just having sex buddies and one night stands and everything, which again, we've all done it, who cares? But um, I, I wonder if it had to do with something with that. Even as something as small as these two things with the hair situation, when her hair got tangled up, or this whole thing about being competitive and having fun, um, with the comment she made when they were still in the honeymoon about him not being fun or not having fun, or when does he have fun or whatever. It, it was kind of like with those things, all of a sudden things just changed. And I know that sounds so small and so insignificant, but something happened and we're not, either we're not aware of it or it's something as stupid as, it's just, I don't get it. Again, don't get it. <laughs> but it's, it's just, I don't know. So, um, Claire basically says, which I think a lot of us have said, fuck that. 
Fuck his image. Fuck all of that because that's not what you're here for. You're not here to keep your image all, you know, squeaky clean. clean. You're here to have a marriage, have a wife, have something that's going to last past these eight weeks. And you're not doing it. You're more focused on how does this make me look? Like, if you care so much about your image and how you're looking, there are some options. Number one, don't come on the show. Number two, don't be an asshole to your wife. Tell her what's going on. Tell her what's wrong. Because you're telling, deciding not to tell her. You refuse to tell her what's wrong and what's changed. Makes you look like a bigger asshole. And that's the thing that he doesn't seem to realize. You look like a bigger asshole now than maybe you did before. Clara calls bullshit on the whole thing. Um, I feel that. (laughs) So Emily says, like, she tries to see, like, the best, or says, like, this is maybe the best he can do, and she's not giving in... And you have to give him the benefit of the doubt. But at the end of the day, it's just sad. And the thing is, it's like, yes, I can understand. Like, you may think this is the best you can give, which I think, I think, yes, I think she's correct. I think that is, this is the best that he can give and that is the best it's going to be. Because he is incapable of thinking about anyone else but himself. If he had the ability to think about anyone else but himself, then this isn't the best it can it can be. It can definitely be better. But he's incapable of that. And in terms of giving him the benefit of the doubt, I'm gonna say this. I'm gonna I'm sorry, me start to fill again, but again, sometimes Dr. Phil speaks some truth. Um one of the things that Dr. Phil has said, I think it was in his podcast, he has said, Why give anyone the power of the benefit of the doubt. They don't deserve the benefit of the doubt. If anything, the benefit of the doubt basically is you trying to buy yourself time to see the good in somebody when the good isn't even there. Now I'm kind of paraphrasing a little bit, but it it's not it's not there. The benefit of the doubt is for you trying to see the good in somebody. Which is not there. And at the end of the day, giving someone the benefit of the doubt makes you look like the fool when you're not the fool in the situation. He is. Or they are whoever. In this case, it's Brennan. So, no. He doesn't deserve the benefit of the doubt. He doesn't deserve more time. He doesn't deserve any of those things. He's wasting enough time. So, next, Pastor Kel is going to be coming by. The only thing that she worries about is whether she's going to say something that will make him uncomfortable and not want him to, to do any of this. So, Pastor Cal is now here, and Pastor Cal asks, you know, are you happy? And I feel like he's more directing that at Emily, 
I'm not sure if he was really talking to Madame Brennan, but Emily says yes. And she says, if I wasn't happy, she wouldn't be here. She would leave. And let me say, I don't believe she's happy. I believe she's selling or attempting to settle for what she has at the moment. I do not for a minute think she's happy. She's learning to live with what she's given. And I just feel like you want to just shake her and say, there is someone else out there who's going to want to be with her, who's going to want to respect her, who's going to want, like, will actually give a shit about her. And the thing is, like, I don't think, I don't think Emily has ever had that. Because the thing is, it's like, maybe partially it's, you know, her decision to not have been with anyone prior to Brennan. Um, But she has had things we know of she's told us we don't know if any of these men actually approached her with something if she rejected them or if it just never came up she didn't want that or whatever but i just do wonder as a person who's been in a similar situation who has had f an f buddy a fuck buddy you're going nowhere with that person because they're getting everything they want. Now, Brent is a little bit of a different situation, but it, I just do wonder if, like, she's not striving for more because she's not ever used to a man just giving it to her without her asking for it. So I just wonder if she thinks, like, this is the best it's going to be because, you know, this man wanted to marry me or whatever. He didn't choose her he chose us and this is what she what he got so it's just he isn't worth it is basically what i'm trying to get he's not worth her staying so she does say which i'm happy she says this i want a husband not a friend Pascal decides here that he's going to be showing them their interviews in the very beginning. Oh boy. Basically, we're going to be putting base pretty much Brennan on blast, which is great. Let's do it. So first, it's Emily's. And basically, with what we see in the interview, Emily says that she, you know, deals with conflict well, but she is a sensitive person. Um, you know, her ideal husband is someone who's kind and loyal. Basically all things that is pretty much what we we can all attest to. So after that's done that's done, Pastor Carl says, So what do you think? Saying to Brennan and Brennan says, same girl. And she says, Yeah, it's consistent. So let's go to Brennan's interview now. This is basically, this paragraph is a lot longer, guys. So he says, um, he's a loving guy. Okay. He wants this badly. He also says that he's sensitive. Interesting. How to build trust for Brennan. Just be there. 
you know, just be there according to everything he has said to, like, Dr. Pia, for example. He needs a lot more, which is fine, but in but honest with that. So, he, he says he's loving, for fuck's sake, the man says he's loving. The fuck? And communicative. No, you're not. And hold on to this. Selfless law. He's selfless. And he puts everyone ahead of himself. Where, when, how, why, I don't see that. Because he's not doing that now. He's definitely putting himself before Emily in this moment because my image is so crazy. He then says, I'm going to trust the process. Let me repeat that. I'm going to trust the process. And he trusts the experts fully. Let me also refrain. Let me, let me also repeat that. He trusts the experts fully. This is the same person who was dogging on the stuff that Dr. Pia assigned for him to do. I don't want to do this exercise. I don't want to like poke, poke, poke. Maybe we could hug instead. But he trusts the experts. Okay. So Emily says, I see some things that are similar, like the trust, but in terms of trusting the process, for example, felt like that was given up pretty easily. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. Pastor Cal asks, do you think that you married the same guy that's in the interview? She kind of dances around this, which I don't appreciate to say no. <laughs> so, But she doesn't. She, um, she says it's a tale as old as time, isn't it? What does that mean? What does that mean? To say, I know what tale of old time means, but what does that mean in this case? That he is a bullshitter like most men are, and then, you know, it's all this fake? Brennan says it's different when you're in a romantic situation. What romantic situation? According to you, Brennan, you guys are friends. What romantic situation? Pastor Cal asks, what if she wants to go deeper than just a friendship? He says that he would go deeper. No, he won't. Again, he is bullshitting Emily. He's bullshitting Pastor Cal. How dare you? He's bullshitting Dr. Pia. He's bullshitting everybody. He is nothing but a bullshitter. My God. Emily says that he just doesn't, or sorry, she doesn't want him to close up on her if she does make the attempt to try to go deeper with him, which again, he probably would because that's what he's proven thus far, that he can't handle getting deeper with her, taking it there. He always has to be like, do you want to do this now? You want to do this now? My image. Like, Pastor Gale says, stop using the F word. And he means friendship or friend, not fuck. 
definitely shouldn't use that word either because y'all should never, ever, 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 ever fuck. You, no one's fucking. Fuck, I think Michael and Chloe will fuck sooner than everybody. Um, Emily is now calling her friend Mackenzie, which I think we've seen her before. Her friend Mackenzie asks, what has he done to be valuable to you? Basically, in the words of Janet Jackson, what has he done for you lately? Nothing. And guess what? In the words of Janet Jackson, too, to keep going, she's never asked for more than she deserves. And you know it's the truth. You seem to think you're God's gift to this earth, and you're not. No man is. Okay. Seriously. So she just says that, that um, we have the same values. You can find else who has the same values as you, who actually wants to be around you, who actually really does care for you, who actually really doesn't want you to leave. Emily tells her about, you know, breaking his trust, the whole situation that happened with Tropia, and Mackenzie says, the fuck he say? What have you done to break his trust? Which we're all saying the same thing. God forbid she's not consistent or she keeps changing her mind. Have you never been with a woman before, sir? We change our minds sometimes. Like, (laughs) so she says that he is a master manipulator. This is Mackenzie. And when will you say? He's not worth it. And you know what? Thank you, Mackenzie, for asking this question because I too want to know, when are you going to say he isn't worth it anymore? Why are you going to keep beating this dead horse? And Mackenzie says like he treats you like crap and everyone can see that, which again, you look worse by letting some man Treat you like shit for what? Emily wants to start establishing boundaries, especially since he has, um, you know, kind of talking badly to her in public or even in private, which I think is actually a good idea to set the boundaries with him. I think that's actually very important. And if he can't respect the boundaries, whatever the boundaries are for her, then are we going to let it go? Are we going to move on? Because we know he's not going to respect any of her boundaries. He doesn't care. So apparently he'll make comments like, you know, you're trying to make me fall in love with you. I just, no, I'm not. And why would she? How could she? Okay, no one can make you fall in love with somebody. They made the whole fucking song about it. I can't make you love me if you don't. I can't make your heart feel something it won't. So, again, that's fucking. 
it, 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 it makes me sick. It's this weird, like, gaslighting type situation. It's like, you're making me fall in love with you. It's bad. Yet, okay, two things here. Like I said before, how can she follow, how could she make you fall in love with her when you have made it very fucking clear there's no penetrating you? But number two, are you falling in love with her? And if so, why can't you just express those feelings to her? But I don't think for a second he's in love with her. There's no way in fucking hell. If he's in love with her, hell gone and froze over because there's no way in hell. No way in hell. Um... So, um, her friend says he is way too concerned about his image more than her. And she says, you know, if he is so concerned about his image, like I've been saying, maybe he should stop being a dick. And she thinks that, you know, so she's like, no matter what decision you decide in all of this, I'll support you. But personally, I think you should run. Run like the runaway bride. Just run. Just run. Run as fast as you can from this fucking guy. He doesn't deserve any of this. Anyways, that is it for Emily and Brennan. That is it for this episode. Next time on, it's couples retreat time. Austin and Becca actually looks like they're about to do a little some some. Then all of a sudden, he just gets up and he leaves. I don't know why. Lauren doesn't know what to say to Orion. And Emily hurts herself really badly on the four-wheeler. Like, really badly. It's pretty scary. But that is it for this week's episode. So if you like what you heard, please share us with everyone in your life. Please also rate and review that helps our growth, which you can do on either Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And we're on every one of your favorite podcast apps. So make sure you hit follow, subscribe on your favorite app so you don't miss a single episode. You can connect with us by going to either Facebook or Instagram at Reality Times 2. You can also go to Twitter, TikTok. Reddit at Reality Times to Pod, and you can email us by going to Reality Times Two Don't forget we have our website, which is at solo.to forward slash Reality Times Two, and also don't forget I have my other podcast with my friend Mikkel called the Next Take Podcast, where we talk about. Well, just about everything over there. We're on every one of your favorite podcast apps over there as well. But you can get access to any links, any socials, anything like that by going to our website, which is solo.to forward slash next take podcast. Um, and you also can go to YouTube, which is next take podcast as well. But of course, all of these links will be in the show notes. But that is it for now, guys. Thanks. Bye.